but uh, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, and I'm struggling with my voice, so I apologize for that. I apologize ahead of time for uh, having to endure my voice this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 uh, through 7 are our text. If you'd stand with me as we read this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. You may be seated. (coughs) We are... In the, in, a, in the Christmas season, uh, going through a series on, uh, with a kind of a Christmas theme, uh, our theme the whole year has been roots, getting back to the roots of our faith, talking about the roots of our faith. And once again, I'll tell you, we're going to be doing that next year as well. We're going to be getting back into that uh, starting January 1st. Christmas Day is, is a Sunday, and we'll be having church that day. I hope you can join us um, if you're able to, I know a lot of people have family things that on, on Christmas Day, and I know it's, I'll choose my words carefully. I know it's inconvenient for people when Christmas falls on a Sunday for Christians because you have that, that family tug. So let me just say this. We're here if you're able to be here, but don't feel guilty, okay? I don't, the last thing I want anybody to do is feel guilty about uh, being in church, not being in church, but... If you do end up being here, we're going to have some eggnog, some hot chocolate, some coffee, bring some cookies, bring some stuff like that, all the healthy stuff that makes Christmas worthwhile. You could bake special if you want. I'll eat it. Everybody must be half sick because nobody's laughing at my hilariously funny jokes. What's up? Army beat Navy. That's a reason to rejoice, right? Praise God. Praise God. Okay, my wife brought that up, so I will. Yesterday, my wife and I had a wedding to be at. Beautiful. At 3 o'clock, a, a, member, a friend of hers that she worked with. And uh, the Army-Navy game kicked off at 3 o'clock. Last, all the weddings I've been to or, or officiated at, they don't have a TV screen up so you can watch the game. So... Through the miracle of technology, I have, I have an iPhone, and there is also internet at most places, most venues today. So I didn't have it on during the ceremony. I did not, well, okay, all right, I, I, it's a technicality, okay, because The game was on my phone, but my phone was in my pocket. Okay? So I get a pass. And then after the ceremony, after they walked out, 
during the, you know, the time in between the whatever, I was able to have the game on. And I was doing a public service because there were many of the young men there had put bets on the game. <laughs> and they were checking in to see what the score was. So, you know. And Army won. So. Love you, Dad. My whole family treated me as the black sheep of the family this week, by the way. They did too. I, I, I'm the Army veteran and my, we grew up on naval bases. My dad was in the Navy. They're all like, go Navy, beat Army. Spoiled brats. But anyway, we won. So back to Christmas. We will have, we'll be having Christmas that day. Bring some, bring some stuff and, and if you have to come in your pajamas, come in your pajamas, just come and celebrate and we'll have a good time if you're able to be with us. If not, it'll be online as well and you can join us. And then the following Sunday is the first Sunday of the new year, 2023. Can you believe that already? And we'll be picking up uh, our series on Roots again in, uh, uh, on January 1st. But for Christmas this year, we've gone to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're looking at this passage, which is a prophetic passage of the Messiah, of the one who was promised to the nation of Israel and then, the, and then to the rest of the world as the one who would deliver us. Now, through the years, there's been much debate and much confusion about what that deliverance was. Many, in the, many of the Jews thought that the Messiah was going to deliver them from persecution, was going to deliver them from bondage. In fact, during the days that Jesus was born, the idea of the Messiah coming was to deliver them from the slavery of the Roman Empire. But that's not what the prophecy said, and that's not the deliverance that Jesus came to bring. Throughout human history, writers and storytellers have created tales of mythic beings that could do amazing feats beyond the scope of mere mortal abilities. Even in our lifetime, there are those who create characters to try and spur our imagination to the what-if part of life. What if someone could fly faster than a speeding bullet? What if someone could move great obstacles out of the way? What if someone had the combination of strength and character to be more than a simple human being or even a regular everyday hero? What if there was a superhero? Now, someone who fought for the underdogs of life and stood up for what was right and good, someone who brought truth and justice to a world of crime and chaos. Remember uh, the original Superman, uh, it was in black and white, those of you who are old enough to remember that. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's a, the real one, the cartoon Superman, come on. It's a bird, it's a plane, you know. And it was always, um, he fought for truth, justice, and the American way. So we've always looked for a superhero. People have always, there's always been stories about that. And whether you're a Marvel or, a, uh, take a quick, how many of you are Marvel fans? Marvel, Marvel superheroes. It's the only real superhero universe, the Marvel universe. <laughs> DC, any DC fans? Yeah. Got, a, got a couple brave souls that will raise their hand, side with the DC universe. Marvel has Iron Man, so that's all that matters. 
almost everyone has their favorite superhero. And we can articulate our reasons why that is. We know just what superhuman quality our superheroes possess that intrigue us. Usually something that we would love to have the ability to do. These stories or movies transport us to a place in our minds where almost anything is possible, where right and wrong are clearly defined and the good guys usually prevail even though they may be a bit bruised and battered in the process. Almost everybody loves a good superhero story, right? Well, let's be honest. Uh, even as Christians, even as those of us who follow Jesus Christ and claim to love him, and this is not, I'm not being facetious, I'm not being mean, I'm not, being, I'm not speaking down on anybody, I'm being very honest here. Even for those of us who claim to follow Jesus and claim to love him with all our hearts, sometimes we try to live our lives without God. Sometimes we try to live our lives without his guidance. We try to live our lives without the input of his word and without prayer. We make our choices and we follow the path that looks best for us without really thinking about what he would want or how it affects the bigger picture of our purpose in his plan. Living this way robs us of some of the greatest experiences and blessings and growth that we could ever, ever experience or imagine. Jesus, the creator of the universe, came to earth to live among us. That's what this whole season is about. Jesus came to live among us. I think where, where we get blocked is when we, when we fail to realize or fail to accept the fact that Jesus didn't just come to earth to provide salvation. He came to get to know us personally. He wants to be your personal savior. He want, and I, and I, you probably see where this is going. Jesus wants to be your personal superhero. He wants to be your personal superhero in life. He wants to help you through those, those difficult times of life. He wants to teach us a better way of living, a way that matters beyond ourselves, <laughs> making a difference in a way no mythic superhero could affect someone's life. Here in Isaiah chapter 9, we read the names of Jesus. And last week, we, uh, we talked about the first one, Wonderful Counselor. That brings us to the second name of, of Jesus here in the prophetic passage, Mighty God. Jesus came to earth to be the Mighty God, to show us the Mighty God, to show us the all-powerful God. In fact, there are, if you've gone through a Bible study on, on God and his attributes, or if you've taken a course, uh, there are three big attributes, and they all start with omni, that uh, we all know omniscience, which is all the all-knowing God. Omnipresence, which is the all-present God, the God that is everywhere at the same time. And the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, omnipotent. Jesus came to earth to show us that God, to show us himself. He always was this God. He's always been that God. But he came down here to earth as a baby during this time that we celebrate to show us who he is, to show us that he is the omnipotent one that could settle any storm, 
that can answer any question, that can move any mountain in your life. I love, I don't know about you, I, there, are, there are days when we come to church, and if you're new here, you'll hopefully, when you come back, as you come back, you'll get used to it. We're very honest and open here, very transparent here. Uh, and you can kind of feel the vibe. That's the, that's the phraseology today, right? You can feel the vibe. And days like today, where the, you can kind of feel the vibe of, of people are just kind of, uh, right? And it's, it's kind of a low-key kind of day until we sing a song called Restless Love. Holy cow. Restless love transforms this congregation. Restless love transforms hearts. Reckless love, not restless love. Reckless love. Reckless love, yes. Reckless love. Right, listen, I've got a cough drop in my mouth. I'm trying to do two things at once. Multitasking is really difficult. Reckless love. And it changes us. And you can feel it in the congregation. Why? Because we all understand what that means. If you follow Jesus for more than, uh, more than the initial time of, of following him, you've been in that place where you felt the reckless love of God pursuing you, chasing you down, tearing down walls, tearing down uh, struggles, and even tearing down attitudes in you to bring you to the place where you need to be, showing you the things that need to change, showing you the things that are robbing you of joy. He's the omnipotent one that can calm any fear, that can relieve any doubt, and that can defeat any foe. He didn't come to be a meek baby, although that's how we celebrate him at this time. He didn't even come to receive gifts or praise. He came to, came to earth to give us the gift. He came to earth to give us the gift of himself, to give us the gift of the mighty God, the infinite powerful one, the one that is mighty to save. He came to show us the way of power. And I think, I, I got a text message last night from a, a, there's a, a pastor's group, about eight, eight or nine of us that are in a, in a text thread. And it doesn't, it takes, it, it's only once every six or seven months that this thread is used. But one pastor wrote and said, I'm praying for everybody, praying for you as you preach tomorrow. And usually when that happens, it's, when someone is, is going through a tough time, feeling the need to reach out to their brothers in, in the pastorate to get some encouragement. And I, think, I think there are too many times where we don't do that. Like I said, that text thread only goes off about every seven, seven or eight months. And that speaks to my shame. We should be using that on a weekly, almost daily basis. But I think there's too many times that we as Christians forget the way of power, forget the way of strength, forget the way that Jesus has laid out for us that can help us through the difficulties of life. 
We forget that he's the mighty God. We forget that he's the omnipotent one that has the power not just to save us, but to deliver us day by day by day. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy (coughs) because he is the mighty God. He proved it and he claimed it. The Bible tells us that he is the creator God of the universe. Jesus, now, now listen to this. For those of you who come from a background, a faith background, that divide Jesus from God. I know there are, there are a lot. That, um, there are a lot of different uh, faith histories that, that don't claim Jesus as God. They say Jesus is a God, but he's not equal with God. There are also a lot of faith histories that don't believe in the Trinity, that there are three different personalities, three distinct personalities in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They say it's just manifestations of God. Well, we're not going to get into a whole doctrinal discussion about that this morning, but what I do want to center in on is Jesus as God, as the mighty God. There is proof throughout the Bible. It's like we talk about on Wednesday nights. If you join us on Wednesday nights for for my Bible study online, we've talked about uh, Jesus and the theology of Jesus and who he is in Jesus as God. There's some amazing claims that Jesus made of himself that show us that he truly is God. There are those who will tell you, oh, he never claimed it. He never claimed that, but he did. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus showed us and told us how mighty and all-powerful he truly is. He says, I have the, he said this, I have the power, he was speaking of his life, I have the power to lay it down and take it up again. Right there, Jesus was telling us that he had the power to give his life a ransom for our sins and then raise him up from the dead. Only God could do that. Only the mighty God can do that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the power that it takes to be able to do that as well as create everything that we see? That's power that we can't imagine or understand. A God with that kind of power is truly a good friend to have. And the good news is that he came to this world to bring the message to us that he is the mighty Emmanuel, the mighty God with us. The word mighty here in this this passage means strong, valiant, champion, brave, and upright. All the qualities that we look for in a superhero, right? Captain America. you can't, use those, you can't use those qualities talking about Iron Man because Tony Stark is a little bit of a wretch, right? For those of you who know, we'll not go down that road. But <laughs> Captain America, right, is, Captain America is the, is the all-American guy. But that's what the word mighty here means. That's who Jesus is. That's who that baby that was born to a teenage girl in a sheep pen came to be. He came to be the mighty God. So what does it mean, mighty God? And as is our custom here, 
How can we make that practical in our lives? How can we look at the mighty God, the prophecy of the mighty God, even the fulfillment of the mighty God, and take that and say, how can I make, how can I use that in my life today? How can I take that and apply that to make it mean something to me today? I want to give you three different ideas here this morning. Maybe one of them will click with you. The first one, Jesus came to be the mighty God, God my security. And you may be wondering why there's nothing up on the screen. Uh, I am a, um, I'm old, and although I can operate an iPhone 14 at a wedding, I, um, I don't always know how to save my sermons properly on my computer, so I lost my sermon completely on Friday and had to reconstruct it on Saturday, and I didn't have the time to be able to make the PowerPoint and send that off, so there is no PowerPoint today. I apologize. It's all my fault. So. All right. <laughs> the first one, <clears throat> the first element of the mighty God that I want to look at is this. He is God, my security. God, my security. The word Emmanuel means, the name Emmanuel means God with us. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God is with us. When we say Emmanuel, what we're saying is God is with us. Jesus Christ came down to this earth. He was God on foot. He was the God incarnate, the God in flesh. And he is God with us. He is with us on a daily basis. He is mighty enough to keep you secure on a daily basis. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, right about now, it means, I, I, it means navigating all the landmines that are, going, that are set for you in this world, whether it's a health landmine, whether it's conversational landmines. How many of you avoid those conversations with those people at work? Because you know that if you get into that conversation with that person at work, there's going to be an explosion that causes you know, like, some people are waving their hands, yeah, both hands up in the air, because it's not going to be pretty. I had a lot of people, I, I had to sub, I subbed on Thursday, correct? Yes. I subbed on Thursday, and I subbed on Friday, and on Thursday, a lot of these high school boys were running their mouths, Melvin, they were running their mouths about the Rams game. That's right, running their mouths. And uh, that's right. We picked up Baker Mayfield, and look what happened. And on Friday, Friday, nobody wanted to have that conversation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I didn't either, because we're four and eight, so it's really. <laughs> but we all know that, right? We all know that there are those people and those conversations and those situations that we don't want to get involved with, we don't want to get into. But we are who we are, and they are who they are. And if left to our own devices, and if left to our own ways, those conversations will happen. Sometimes those conversations aren't necessarily at work or at school or in the neighborhood. Sometimes those conversations are within your own household. Listen, God is the 
God is your security. He is mighty enough to keep you secure on a daily basis. Navigating the landmines of work, of health, of home, the potholes, the traps, the snares, those deceitful temptations that Satan brings your way. We all know those temptations, right? We don't want to admit them, but we know them. I can handle it. I can handle it. It doesn't control me. It, it has no hold on me. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I can handle these things. Our life would be just so much better. I just... You have the mighty God. You have access to the mighty, of God, mighty God to help you through those times of foolishness when you think you can handle it. When you think that you're strong enough to do what you know you can't do. You know you can't do it. You see, sometimes, <clears throat> I think here's, the, here's one of the points of this, uh, of this message, the way I'm coming at it. Sometimes we think of the mighty God and we think of the superhero God. We think of the God, uh, we, we think of the God who came down to earth and died for our sins. We think of the God who created everything. And, and we think of it in this big, majestic, powerful way. And what we fail to do <clears throat> is realize and accept and understand that Jesus is the mighty God of our everyday life. He's the mighty God of your every day. <clears throat> He's the mighty God, <clears throat> excuse me, of your every conversation. He's the mighty God of your every relationship. He's the mighty God of every situation that you enter into. And even though, even though you are the feeble human, he is the mighty God. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 139 verses 7 through 11 says, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. He is the God of your every day. He's the God of your every moment. And he wants to be that God for you. He wants to be that mighty God who is with you every step of the way. Our big mistake is we start off without him. Oh, he's following along. He's trying to lead the path. He's like, the, 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 uh, he's, he's like your dog that tries to walk you rather than you walk the dog. And he's trying to take you wherever he wants. He's trying to show you the way to go, but you're not listening. And many times we, we go our, our own way. Yet he is the God of our every day. Yes, he's mighty enough to save you and to forgive your sins. We say that in John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And he's mighty enough to secure your eternal soul. John 10, 28 through 30 tells us that. Romans 8, 35 through 39 tell us that. We have eternal security in him. And those are the big things that we look at. Those are the superhero moments that we look at and we say, that's what the mighty God is all about. But we don't want to see. I, I, I don't know whether it's we don't want to or we don't take the time to or we just, 
haven't gotten to that point many times where we just don't see God in our every day, in our every relationship, in our every situation. And I say we don't see it because, let's be honest, we walk and trip over the same things over and over and over again, don't we? We fall into the same trap over and over and over. How about this? It's not necessarily that we fall into the same trap, but we bait the same trap for people, don't we? Over and over and over again. We, we set people up in our lives. And listen, setting someone up for failure, I think an argument can be made that it's worse than, you're, than, than falling yourself because you're doing it intentionally. But it's, it's, it's both ways, man. He wants to be the God of your every moment, the mighty God that helps you to see when it's time to close your mouth, when it's time to let something go. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, the hardest thing in relationships in your life is to just not respond, right? Come on, come on. Yeah, <laughs> my wife raised her hand anyway. It is so difficult, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. But sometimes, you know, that's the answer. The Bible says that Jesus showed us that example. In fact, it was prophesied that Jesus would not respond in many of those situations. It said he was, he was afflicted. They, they, they accused him of horrible things in the trial. And he didn't say a word. He didn't even defend himself. Why? Because there was no need, because there was a plan. Step carefully with this one. Because the problem many of us have with our relationship with Jesus Christ is that we undermine it ourselves, right? We are our own worst enemy when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And it's not setting traps for other people. It's setting ourselves up for failure. It would, it, it's like... Uh, If you're, if you're getting ready to have a procedure where you have to fast for 24 hours, you're getting blood drawn and you have to fast for 24 hours, but stopping off at the store and buying a pack of cookies. And you're just going to set them on the counter and say, oh, I'm, I, can, I don't know about you, but I don't know who, who keeps bringing the cookies in on Sunday mornings. I can't walk by the table not take a cookie or two, three, donut, something. And I think our, I believe that our greatest struggle many times as followers of Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is that we set ourselves up for failure. We are our own worst enemy. 
One of the most powerful things about Jesus Christ as the mighty God, as Emmanuel, as God with us is this. He is mighty enough to preserve your relationship with him even when you walk away and even when you feel too ashamed to come back. Now that last part doesn't apply to most of us here because we're here today. But most of us, in fact, I would say all of us who, have, who, who walk with Jesus and have been part of a church in the past, have been part of this church, we have friends who have walked away. And it's not that they don't want to come back. It's that right now, they're at a place in their lives where they're too ashamed to come back. We all know people like that. And that's where we come in, that's where you come in, and that's where the mighty God comes in, because the mighty God is the one who will welcome them home, and you need to be his representative of welcoming them back. You see, Jesus is mighty enough, he's mighty enough as God incarnate to protect and preserve your relationship with him, even when you undermine it, even when you deal it a difficult blow. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. Say, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Listen to this. Okay, now that's the setup right there. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Remember, that's what Jesus is saying to you right now. I've called you by your name, and you are mine. Now listen to what he says after that. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. And the flame will not, will not burn you. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, am your Savior. He didn't say if you walk through the water. If you pass through the fire. He says when those things happen, I will be with you. When you struggle, I will be with you. When you feel alone, I will be with you. When you are discouraged, I will be with you. When you undermine your walk with me, I will be with you. I will be with you all the time. <clears throat> I've called you by name. I know who you are. And I will be with you. You need to stay with me. You need to stick with me. You need to allow me to be the mighty God in your life when you cannot be the mighty you. He is mighty enough to provide for your every need and give you the feeling of security even in this insecure world. The second thing I see, the area that I think Jesus wants to be the mighty God for you is this. He wants to be God, my source of strength. Now, there are many different names for God, and there are covenant names for God, where uh, there was a, an amazing promise that God gave to a group of people or to an individual or to the world. 
and he used a, a, a specific name for himself. And one of those covenant names is the name Adonai. Adonai means the Lord, my strength. I think one of the, one of the, I'll be personal for a minute. I think one, I know that for me, in my life as a follower of Jesus, and all the years that I've, I've followed Jesus, for whatever reason, there have been a lot of storms and struggles and a lot of <coughs> situations that I've had to face and deal with in my life. And I remember as a kid growing up in Sunday school, for those of you who grew up in Sunday school, we, we referenced the flannel graph era here a lot, right? I remember in the flannel graph stories, the teachers always using... Uh, the, the story of, of Jesus and the disciples in the boat in the storm. There's always the picture of the boat and always the flannel graph picture of these imposing, amazing waves overwhelming, trying to overwhelm the boat. And that story always stayed with me through my life. Throughout storms, throughout difficult times, throughout struggles that I'd go through. And I'd always be able to rely... Re, re, rely on that and fall back on that story and go to him and say, God, I'm in a storm right now. Will you be my strength? Will you protect me? Will you guard me? <clears throat> he can settle any storm in your life, but it doesn't mean that he will. Sometimes, there's a great song from many years ago, Sometimes he calms the storm, but other times he calms his child in the middle of the storm. Sometimes he'll, sometimes he'll settle the sea for you, and the opposition will go away, and it'll all be settled, it'll all be straight. But there are other times when you need to walk that road, or you need to go through that storm for whatever reason. Maybe it's a lesson you need to learn. Maybe it's, for, for whatever reason God has, has for you, you need to walk that road. Maybe it's somebody else that needs you to walk it with them. But even if he calls you to walk through a storm, he is mighty enough to keep you calm in the middle of the storm. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 say, Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. <coughs> we are living through a time, a day and age, where this is so true, this, this passage is so descriptive of not just, not just Christians, not just the church, but humanity, where we are struggling, we're tired, we're weary, right? I was talking to some people this morning, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that her, her child was really sick, very, very sick, but fortunately he's COVID negative, but... And, and I, I, I get that, I understand that, but he's still incredibly sick, man. 
there's so many things. It's like we focused on COVID and now here we have all this other stuff, right? And I have no idea what I have in my, in my voice right now, but uh, so many of our people are down with all these things that have three-letter names. And the storms that you're walking through, the difficulties that we're facing, the, the every day that we face has brought us to a place of being weary. We're weary of, of the struggle. We're weary of the battle. We're weary of going to the grocery store and seeing the prices we have to pay. We're weary of this stuff because life is just wearing us down. He's the mighty God that wants to be your strength when you have no strength to give. When you have no more to give. Listen, let's get personal. He's the God that wants to be the strength of your relationship when you have no more strength to give. When you have nothing left to give to that I'm not necessarily not just talking about a marriage relationship, but family relationships. Relationships with your children. Relationships with friends. Relationships with those who deny and totally uh, disavow what it is you stand for. He's the God who wants to give you the strength to endure those relationships. Why? Because relationships build lives that draw people closer to Jesus Christ. He is mighty enough for you to lean on in your doubt. I'm not foolish enough to think that people who follow Jesus don't have doubts. Listen, I just, my family just came through a time, and I'll, I'll be very honest, I just came through a time uh, with my father passing away where you have to lean on your faith. We, we tell people all the time. It was, it was good timing. Yeah. It was my, my father saying hello. <coughs> uh, but we, we've told people, I get up here and preach, and I preach at his funeral, I'll see him again. Well, I better believe that. And there are times where, if we're honest, we'll say, we, we go to God and say, God, I, I really hope that's true. <laughs> I want to see him again. And there are times in our day, there are times in our week where, we know that God has made promises. We know that he said he'll be with us. We know that he said he'll give us the strength. He'll give us the endurance. But we're just not sure. Did you know that he is the God who wants to be there for you in your doubt? Why? Because he wants to prove himself to you. He wants you to be able to lean on him in the middle of your doubt, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of the times when you say, I'm not quite sure. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares for you. Is that your go-to? When life is a struggle, when life is difficult, when everything is bearing down on you, and the burdens are just too heavy to bear, do you go to him and say, God, I can't carry this anymore, I can't, do this anymore? Or do you want to continue to struggle and say, you know what, I'm just going to try it one more time. 
He doesn't want you to try it one more time on your own. He wants you to throw all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's not an ego thing for God. He wants to be your friend. You know, sometimes we need to take our own advice. And sometimes we need to be the kind of friend that we, we, we need to let Jesus be the kind of friend to us that we are to other people. Does that make sense? We want to be that friend that people can lean on. We want to be that friend that brings a meal. We want to be that friend that is there in the difficult times. And here we have Jesus wanting to be our friend in all of that, but we don't allow him to be. Yet that's what he's there for. He is the mighty God who wants to be there in our difficulties. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, concerning this, Paul is talking about a, a, a malady he had in his life, a thorn in the flesh, as the word says. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in all, all the more about my weaknesses. So that, listen to this, so that Christ's power may reside in me. I will boast, I will joy, I will be happy in the fact that I am weak in areas that I'm weak in so that it will show the power of Jesus Christ in me, not necessarily through me. Listen, here's a point we have to get. Not everything is about being a witness to other people. You understand that? Not everything that God does in your life is about how it affects everybody else. Sometimes God wants to show himself mighty to you just because you need to see it, right? He wants to show himself mighty to you because you need to understand it. How many of you ever been there before in your life? You know what I'm talking about, man. Hey, God, I, have you ever prayed this before? I have. I'll, I'll be honest with you. God, I need you to show up right now. You ever been there? I have. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'll be, I'll be straight up honest about it. There are times in my life where I've said, God, I need you to show up right now. I need you to be comforting to me right now, God. And you say, well, that's awfully demonstrative. That's awfully demanding. He's the mighty God. That's what he's there for. That's what he tells me he's there for. He wants to be there at a moment's notice. He wants to comfort me in my weakness. He wants to comfort me in my distress. He wants to be my, my strength at my low points. I don't use him as a crutch. I use him as my God of strength. He wants to be there for you in those moments where it is difficult. Paul went on, he said, so I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's the point. It's not that you can do everything you want to with Jesus. It's not that you can have everything you want to with Jesus. The point is that Jesus is there, always there in your life, always present for you, ready to be exactly what you need him to be. Do you need a friend, a confidant, a shoulder to cry on, a wise counselor, a teacher? He's there for you. He is your source of strength in whatever need you have. God, my strength. He is an endless source of strength for your journey, no matter where that journey leads you.
no matter where it leads you. Listen, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what's coming down the road. We don't know what is happening next. We do know this. He has promised to be the God of strength that will see us through every difficulty. Doesn't mean you're not gonna, doesn't mean you're not gonna have to go through that difficulty. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have to walk that road. Listen, it doesn't even mean that you're not gonna have to have those hard conversations. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna have to face those, uh, those even sometimes, listen, sometimes you're still gonna have to face those consequences of your actions. He doesn't say you're not gonna have to face those, but he does say I will be with you in the middle of those consequences to help you through them. And lastly, this is the one I think is awesome. As I looked up this word mighty, uh, mighty in, the, in, in the phrase mighty God, one of the definitions was uh, excellent and uh, morality. He is the God my, and, 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 and hero. It's used, it, this, this word mighty is used uh, for the word hero. So he's God my hero, my source of moral excellence. God is God, Jesus Christ is God my hero, my source of moral excellence, or my example of living. A hero is one who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Too many times, though, we try to be the hero. Listen up, folks. Too many times we try to be the hero of our own story or the hero of someone else's story. You know what that gives, gives you or, or somebody else? A fallen hero. Because we are just human. And at some point in life, you are going to make a mistake. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to have a weak moment. And if we are all judged on our worst day, then, then we might as well just all go hide our heads in the sand. Because our worst days can be pretty bad. But we have a God who doesn't have a worst day. We have a God who doesn't have a bad day. We have a God who is with us in the middle of our very worst moments. He'll hold your hand. He'll be that friend that I remember I had a friend when I was in Korea. I had a friend that uh, had a rough day. Had a rough week, actually. And he went down and he uh, had a little too much to drink. Had not a little too much to drink, had way too much to drink. Consumed about 160 ounces of alcohol. And was pretty, in pretty bad shape. And he finally made it back to the barracks and the CQ, the CQ runner helped get him up to the bathroom. And they just dumped him in the shower. And they left him on his back. I had just had surgery on my leg and I had a cast all the way up to my hip and I was sitting there waiting, watching him. And he started to do what people who have drunk too much started to throw up. And he was gonna, he was gonna choke on it. So I was able to push him over so he 
at least didn't choke on that. And in that moment, in his worst moment, there was somebody there to help him. And then the rest of the guys came in and helped him out. And, and in a moment where he didn't have the ability to process and help himself, there were those who helped him. Jesus is there. Maybe he's there in your worst moment, even if that moment is a bad moment, even if that moment is an embarrassing moment, even if that is a moment that you have created for yourself, he's there with you. Now, you may not like to think about that and you may not like to accept that because it's embarrassing and you don't like to think about God seeing you in that state, but understand this, he sees you in that state. He sees you in those worst moments. He hears the words that come out of your mouth. He understands what you're saying. He knows the, the intent in your heart. He knows exactly where you're at. He is the God of those moments. He is the God who is there for you in those moments to help you get through that and recover from that. Apologize if you need to process. Whatever it is, whatever the situation, he is the God of your, of your worst moments. And I think it's comforting, I know it's comforting to me and I hope it's comforting to you that even though you have those bad moments and those bad days and those bad weeks, God never has them. And in your worst moments, at your worst times, he is always at his best to help you through it. And I'm sorry if that kind of shatters a bubble for you, but I think we can all admit that life isn't always fun and life isn't always clean the path that we walk isn't always the prettiest. And I think it's important that we understand, church, we understand Christian, we understand brother or sister in Christ, that even when you fail, when you fail God, when you fail your family, even when you fail yourself, he's still there. He is the God of that moment. Let me just get... Let's just go down this road. You could beat yourself up all you want, okay? You could beat yourself up. You could tell yourself how worthless you are. You can say you got no business being anything. You, got, you, you have no business being in church. You have no business claiming God. You're just going to walk away from it because you are just a worthless piece of humanity. And how could God ever love you in the state? Man, that is just garbage. Let me tell you, man, that is just garbage. Because even in your worst moment, he is still there. And he will be there for you. Yeah, but I, uh, you, know, you know, the way they, you know, the church treated me and they told me my pastor, I don't, step lightly here, John, because your big mouth's going to get you in trouble. Okay. I really care what your pastor told you, what your old pastor told you. I don't care what other people judged you as. I'm here to tell you he loves you. I'm here to tell you that in your weakest, worst moment, he's there. In your most embarrassing, ungodlike time of your life, he is there, holding your hair back as you throw up in the toilet. Right? He's there, making you that coffee and sober you up. Why? Because he wants. He wants to be the one you turn to when you come to yourself, just like the prodigal son. 
When the prodigal son finally came to himself, what did he do? He ran to the father. That's why he's there. Not because you're never going to fail and never going never gonna to fall. Listen, if that's what you're looking for in a church, you're in the wrong place, man. Because here at this church, we're not perfect. But we know the God who is. It's my desire that not the people fall, but, what, but that if they fall, they always know that he is there for them and so are we. He is the God of your worst moments. He's your source of, he's your example of living. He is God, your hero. Like I said, so many times we try to be our own hero. We try to be the hero of other people's stories. But can I tell you this? <laughs> I can tell you this from experience.